in her wisdom, being gifted to stay single, obviously, to devote herself to God. She says, I'm going to be at the temple, at God's house, with God's people. And what happened, we read, that as Joseph and Mary would bring Jesus to be dedicated at the temple, Anna saw Jesus, who was just, again, only a few days old, eight days old at that time, in the arms of Mary and Joseph, and she recognized that this baby is not an ordinary child, that this baby is special, because she had, Anna, special revelation, she had understanding, she had insight. Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff. So as he's stressing and as he's just being honest, he says there will be challenges. Don't think that you're alone when that happens, but it's reality. Trust in the Lord is that as well. You turn to him. God will work and can work. But you'll have some challenges if you choose matrimony. But I would spare you. And in verse 29, But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it for the form of this world is passing away. So Paul says, the time is short. The time is short, and, and it is. I believe prophetically that the time is short. I, I believe that we are in the last days, that the prophetic clock is ticking. But we also know that our biological clocks are ticking as well. Now, I was talking with somebody who's had a birthday, and, and um, they just turned 22, somebody who's young. And, and he was telling me and, and kind of saying, oh, I'm starting to feel old, I'm 22, and he was kind of kidding. <laughs> and, and I said, you know what? Last week I went to the dentist, and uh, I've got a cracked filling, and next week they're going to have to take it out and put in a new filling. That filling is 30 years old. So I have fillings that are older than you. <laughs> so keep things in perspective. And, and we, as believers, I think we know that, that life is short. And perhaps the Lord will come for us very, very soon in the blessed hope. Or if he tarries, the fact that life is short as well. Because James says that our life is but a vapor in, in comparison to eternity. So I don't know what's going to happen first. If the Lord's going to come for us first, and, and what is the rapture of the church, or we're going to go through physical death. But whatever it might be, life is short, and the time is short. So Paul here is saying that we are to stay focused on and live for the kingdom of God, not of this world. Because this world is going to pass away. Just keep the Lord the priority when it comes to, as we read in verse 29, your relationships. Keep the Lord a priority when it comes to verse 30, your emotions, and then also in verse 30, your possessions. It was Jesus that said, Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That is, as you seek God and and live for God, all the things of this world are going to take care of themselves. Yes, marriage is very important. Our emotions play a huge role to us in our lives. Possessions, we have them, and every good gift comes from above. 
As a Christian, though, I realize that my number one priority in life is the Lord and the things of the kingdom. My love for the Lord, my trust in the Lord, my service for the Lord. And so that's the priority. And as you keep that to priority, you know what you'll find? What I will find is that you will have a blessed and very happy marriage, won't you? You'll be content in life and whatever it is that you do have, whatever state that you are in, whether married or, or single. You'll have emotional stability. And the Lord is the one that brings blessing to all those areas of our lives, doesn't he? He wants to grow your marriage. He wants to grow your love for your spouse. He wants to grow your love for him. He desires to, for you to be content and find fulfillment and satisfaction in him. He desires for you to be strong and stable in those areas of your life as you seek first the kingdom of God. Be strong and stable emotionally. And so Paul emphasizing that, he continues in verse 32, now tell the advantages of being single. He says, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cared for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. In verse 35, And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So what we're being told here is that the person is more free to serve God when they don't have the responsibilities to a spouse, to a family. And so Paul emphasizing that, he says that that's why he's saying it's good to remain even as I am. Paul, of course, at this time was single. In a couple chapters, he's going to talk about Barnabas and traveling with Barnabas. And he's going to talk about uh, him and Barnabas, giving an indication that Barnabas as well was single just like Paul was and didn't travel with their wives. Now, Paul is not saying that if you're married and you have a spouse and you have a family that you can't serve God, you can't please God. Of course he's not saying that. I know married couples that do serve the Lord. There are many here in this fellowship that they serve the Lord. They've been faithful in serving the Lord. They've been faithful in walking with the Lord. I know other couples uh, that are perhaps missionary couples and their families are in the mission field and they're out there serving the Lord and they're giving themselves to the Lord, them and their families, sometimes in very difficult situations. But as he is emphasizing this, of course, we know that Paul when he traveled, he experienced a lot of persecution, didn't he? A lot of difficulties, a lot of hardships. But he could devote himself completely to serving the Lord in a way which would have been a lot more difficult if he had a spouse or he had a family. And when you are married, you have commitments to your spouse, don't you? Husbands, we have, we have commitments and we have responsibility to our wives and wives to your husbands. And we are to live to please them. Now when Paul says that those who are married care about the things of the world, that is pleasing their wife or pleasing their husband, he is not saying this to condemn the married person. But what Paul is emphasizing to us is that that's the way it should be for the married person. And if you are married here this morning, husband or wife, that is what you are to do. You are to please your spouse. You are to give to them. You do have a ministry to them. I have a ministry to, to my wife, Sue. I have a ministry to my children. 
And that ministry is a priority. And I could not come and minister here as the pastor of this church if I wasn't making that a priority in my life. If I wasn't giving to my wife, if I wasn't loving her, if we didn't have a strong marriage, if my children weren't under submission, Paul would write to Timothy in that way. That that's a qualification of a shepherd. And so my, my ministry is a priority at home and is very important here, but I could not do the ministry here if things weren't right at home, if I wasn't given to my wife. And I think we all understand that. So as Paul would write to the Ephesians later on, after he wrote this letter, he would say to them, Husbands, you're to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And as you read that there in Ephesians chapter 5, what that is saying, husbands, is that your wife is a priority in your life. You are to give yourself to her. You give and you give and you give to her. You lay down your life for her. You love her unconditionally. You serve her just as Christ gave himself to us, even to the point of death. And so I am to do that for my wife. We are to give to each other couples, as the scripture says. Now, as we just got through talking about, that our priority is the Lord, isn't it? My priority is the kingdom of God. That is to be my wife's priority as well, Sue's. But that does not mean that we don't give to each other. Because as we are given to each other, and as we are loving each other, and as we're ministering to each other, and as we are fulfilling those responsibilities that God gives to us in His Word, that's being obedient to the Lord. And so Paul's sharing with us that that's the way it should be, that you live to please your spouse, cultivating a relationship with your spouse that is right and is good in the sight of the Lord. But if you are single, he says, you obviously don't have that obligation. And you can go about serving the Lord with great freedom without worry about how is this going to affect my husband, my wife. You're just free to follow the lead of the Lord. And again, I would remind you that Paul is not down on marriage, but he's just simply being honest, isn't he, with us? He's saying that if you're married, that you're going to have those challenges, verse 28. Again, because it's two imperfect people living together. You are to please your spouse, though. You are to give to them. And if you are single, it's an advantage in the sense that you can uh, live um, and, and fully devote your time and service to him singularly. So the apostle is putting this all in eternal perspective. And if you are single this morning, I want to encourage you because you have special opportunity to serve God. When I think about what, what Paul is emphasizing here, I think that there's one particular woman in the scriptures that's a great illustration, and that is Anna. We read about Anna there in Luke chapter 2, in Gospel of Luke, in verses 36 through 38. Only three verses that talks about Anna. And most of you know that Luke chapter 2 is where we read about the birth of Jesus, how he was born in Bethlehem, that, that great Christmas story that we go back and read uh, at every Christmas. But after the birth of Jesus, it would be Joseph and Mary that would bring Jesus to the temple there in Jerusalem, only a short journey from Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And they would bring him to the temple to be dedicated. And as they did, Joseph and Mary carrying baby Jesus, only a few days old, and as they bring him to the temple, there was two individuals, one Simeon, who was an elderly man, who recognized that Jesus was the Messiah and the redemption of Israel. But the other one was Anna. 
And it's interesting, in those three verses, it tells us a lot about Anna. It says that she was married at one time. She was married for seven years. Obviously, she was married at a young age because she found herself single and widowed. And in Luke chapter 2, it tells us that she was widowed, singled for 84 years. Luke says that she was of great age. Very much probably was over 100 at that time that Luke chapter 2 takes place. And Luke tells us that for 84 years that she was widowed, she did not depart from the temple. She served God night and days with fasting and prayers. And I like that. Because there is a woman that found herself single, widowed, and she devoted herself to the Lord completely and fully. She goes to the temple. She prayed and she fasted night and day. She went to the house of God. There's a lot of other places that she could have gone or emphasized being at or whatever it might be, but she chose in her wisdom, being gifted to stay single, obviously, to devote herself to God. She says, I'm going to be at the temple, at God's house, with God's people. And what happened, we read, that as Joseph and Mary would bring Jesus to be dedicated at the temple, Anna saw Jesus who was just again only a few days old, eight days old at that time in the arms of Mary and Joseph, and she recognized that this baby is not an ordinary child, that this baby is special, because she had, Anna, special revelation, she had understanding, she had insight. And she really understood and knew what very few did know. And Luke also records that she spoke to all those who looked for the redemption of Jerusalem. In other words, she just talked about the Lord to everyone who came her way. So can I encourage you who are single? Maybe you're widowed. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you've never been married. But follow the example of Anna. Unless or until the Lord brings you that special person. And I think that Anna gives us the highest example, I believe, of just being in God's house with God's people, looking for the Lord, praying to the Lord, and then talking with others about the Lord. Do you think, think about this, that she stayed there at the temple for 84 years because she was bored? Because she had nowhere else to go or nothing else to do? I think that she was there at the temple, at God's house, praying and fasting, and and being dedicated to the Lord in that way. And she was there talking to the people about the Lord because she was highly fulfilled, deeply enriched, and she was greatly blessed. And she stayed in that state year after year, again, obviously being gifted to be single, but I think that she was fulfilled and satisfied. And when the Lord would come, as that little baby from Bethlehem, that Anna's recording the everlasting word as being one that recognized Jesus and being also an example for all people throughout history to see the way that it should be of one who is dedicated to the Lord. And that reminds me so much of how we are to be in our own lives again as we are whatever state we may be, but particularly for you who are single, that you have that special opportunity that you can devote yourself to the Lord singularly, just as she did. And so here, um, as we continue on, verse 36, but if any man thinks he is behaving improperly towards his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry. So in Paul's day and in that culture, a young person's parent had the primary responsibility for arranging the marriage. And 
Paul tells us that it's not wrong for a father to allow his daughter to marry in verse 37. Nevertheless, he who stands, stand fast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. So Paul goes on to say, because singleness does have its advantages, it has its benefits, I will recommend it not only to individuals, but to fathers, in regards to marrying off their daughters. And then as we finish the chapter, Paul gives us a final reminder regarding the remarriage of widows. He says, A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives, but if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is according to my judgment, and I think I also have the Spirit of God. If your husband dies... Widows, you are at liberty to remarry, but Paul says make sure that it's in the Lord. Paul clarifying the question that the Corinthians were asking. He says that if you're bound together in in marriage, as long as your spouse lives, that you are bound together in that. If your spouse dies, then you're free to remarry as long as it's in the Lord. And that is the person that you're remarrying is a Christian. And so need to to make sure that the Lord's directing that marriage. If you've been widowed or deserted, if you're remarried, make sure again that it's in the Lord. That's the way it should be. And then you will have a marriage that will be all that the Lord desires for it to be. Unless the Lord builds the house, the psalmist says, those who labor, labor in vain. And again, I want to remind those who are single that you're not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That you are to marry a Christian is what God's will is for you in your life. And unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. That one who is, that you desire, if there is one who is an unbeliever, it's not going to be what it could be and should be in the Lord. I don't care how nice they may be, how much money they might have. But it's when two people that love each other in the Lord, that's what brings a blessed marriage. For us who are married, for you married couples that are here, you Christians, the Lord doesn't want you to come to the point where you just put up with each other or you go your own ways. He desires for your love to grow for each other, for your love to grow for Him, and that's how it grows for each other. You just keep growing in your love for Him, walk with Him, be submitted to Him. So here Paul, he, he talks about those things. He concludes the chapter by saying, that if she remains happier, those who are single, um, I think also I have the Spirit of God, they'll be happier. And, and this is my judgment, for I think that I'm in harmony with the Spirit of God. So an interesting chapter, isn't it? Now, before you pack it up, just a couple more minutes, and, and, and I just want to press one more point. Because sometimes as you go through 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you can think, well, is Paul down on marriage? I mean, he says that it's okay to be married. He gives us some principles to live by in our marriage, but he seems to be coming back to the fact that if you're single, you would do well to stay in that state. It's better if you're widowed or if your you know, daughter is never married or yourself remains single, that they might give themselves fully to the Lord. So does Paul have a, a negative attitude um, about marriage? I don't think he does. Again, he blesses marriage. He... he, he refers to it as okay, but he keeps coming back to this being single and staying in that state. I do not believe that Paul is saying that that being single is more spiritual than being married or vice versa. 
But he's simply stating that being in a state of singleness does have his advantages and his blessing. And if God has called you to your marriage, know that there are responsibilities. I think that's the main point. So Paul making the point, as we saw, that whatever state that you're in, if you're single or married, that you're to please the Lord and live for the Lord. God wants us to please him, doesn't he? He wants us to please us whether we're married, whether we're single. And if we're married, we have those responsibilities. But we're to look to him and please him in every area of our lives. And for us to be a witness and a testimony of the reality of Jesus Christ, for us to have that reality being worked out in our lives so others may see it in our conduct, in our behavior, in our speech, at the workplace, in our neighborhoods, if you have a business, how you conduct your business, how we treat our wives, how we, wives you treat your husbands, how we raise our children in, in the ways of the Lord, whatever it might mean for us, that God desires for us to please him in every area of our lives. Plus, remember this, as he emphasized, that the time is short. And how people need to see the reality of Jesus, the light of God being worked out in our lives, don't they? They do, don't they? They really do, especially in these days. The time is short. And as I mentioned to you, we're to be wise and watching and discerning in days that we're in. And I look at just the events that happened this week that you can look at and say, wow, Lord, your coming is very, very soon, isn't it? I mean, just in this week, people are worried. So I think that there is so much pointing to his return. And, And it's an incredible time, folks, and a very important time, especially in the days in which we're living, to be that witness and that testimony to others in whatever state you find yourself in. Whether you're married, do you realize this? that your marriage should be an illustration or a picture of Christ's love for us, that Christ our bridegroom, his love and his devotion and his commitment to the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, or to the, the bride, the church. Jesus our bridegroom, we're called the bride of Christ. He's committed to us and, and loving us unconditionally, giving his life for us and serving us that he came, he said, I came not to be served, but be the servant of all in his kindness, in his tenderheartedness, in his forgiveness, in his compassion towards us. You see, that's to be an illustration, husbands, and how you are to love your wife. And when there is a world that is uncertain, or an unbelieving world, that maybe they're not open for you to give in Scripture or the Gospel message or Bible study or come into church here at Calvary Chapel, but you still have a way to be a testimony and witness to them, and that is through your marriage. That they can look at you and wives how you're respecting your husband and submitting to him as unto the Lord, an illustration how we submit unto the Lord because he is good and he is loving. And husbands, as you're loving your wife in the way you're supposed to, and she's submitting and respecting and you're praying, and that love, it's a love that hopefully they see that, wow, we've never seen this before. This is real. This is a real testimony. And that's why Paul says that this is a mystery. That this is a mystery concerning Christ and the church. That marriage pictures something that was previously unknown and now unveiled. That marriage is something that gives an illustration of how Christ loves the bride of that is you and I, the church. 
our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. If you are single, again, may it be a testimony and a witness that you're just trusting in the Lord and you're resting in the Lord and that you're just going forward in the things of God, whatever that he has for you. And they would see that in you, that you know that God is working. You see, singleness is just not something that you endure. It's something to be embraced. That you embrace right now that, Lord, I have special opportunity to just be devoted to you and to serve you and however that might mean for you and whatever way that might be. That people would see that in your heart and in your life that I am fulfilled and satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray that this chapter has been an encouragement and instruction for, uh, instruction for all of us in whatever state that we find ourselves in, remembering that we live for the Lord and keeping the priority, and as He works in our hearts, it's a testimony to the world that needs to see that and witness to them. Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study, please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again, 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig Tree.